The following is message one of the Calgary Weekend Blending Conference with Brother Ron Kangas, spoken on August 18. Message title, The Vision of the Divine and Mystical Realm. It's been maybe four or five years. Uh, just very pleasant to have a kind of a smaller gathering, not a major conference but a time to be together and to open our being to the Lord and to receive mercy from Him, to be enlightened, supplied, and cared for by Him. I'd like to introduce the general subject by reading a few verses to you and commenting on them briefly from the Gospel of John. And the first verses are perhaps the most misunderstood and misapplied verses in the whole Bible. John 14 Verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. The Father's house is not heaven. It's the Father's spiritual dwelling place, which is the church, the body of Christ, ultimately will be the new Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus was going through crucifixion to prepare a place for us in the Father's house, as we will see next, by giving us a place in God himself. So verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will receive you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. So Lord, he repeats his statement. I go to prepare a place for you. This again was his crucifixion, followed by his resurrection, to prepare us a place in God, which will become our place in the church as God's dwelling place. And then he says, I am coming again. These words, I am coming again, in verse 3, do not refer to the Lord's coming again in glory at the end of this age. We fully believe in that. But that is not what he is saying here. Because in John, the Lord came again to the disciples 
three days later when he appeared to them in his resurrection. I am coming to you and will receive you to myself. The misapplication is the Lord will come for us at his second coming and receive us to himself, which is in heaven. But this is simply contrary to the truth here. Then the Lord goes on to say, to finish this verse, so that where I am, you also may be. The Lord was speaking to them, and he said, where I am, I am in a certain realm right now as I'm talking to you. And where I am, you also will be with me, with me where I am. In verses 10 and 11 of this chapter, the Lord declares clearly, I am in the Father. I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? So when he says, you will be with me where I am, means we will be with him where he is that is in the Father. Then in verse 20, which I will not read, but present to you, he said, in that day. And that day was the day of his resurrection. He said, you will know. He didn't say, you can check it out. He didn't say, you will believe. He said, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. He said, you will know this. After he went to the cross to solve all problems and release the divine life, and through his resurrection, through which he dispensed the divine life into us, now, in his resurrection life, we know where he is. This is his word. We need to drop our religious veils. You will know I am in the Father. You will know you are in me. Well, we are in the me who is in the Father. So clearly, we are in the Father by being in the Son. So the thought here is that there is a realm which is actually a person where we live with the triune God. Then I turn to John 17. 
And here the Lord is praying. And in verse 21, he says, That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the Lord is praying that we would be somewhere. That we would be in the triune God. Then verse 24. Father, concerning that which you have given me, I desire that they also may be with me where I am. The Lord is speaking to the Father, and he's telling the Father what he desires. You just imagine all those who are fathers. If your son would come to you in a very pleasant way, and the atmosphere is very bright and full of love and peace, and he said, Dad, I'd like to tell you what I desire as a man. What would that do to a father's heart? Dad, this is my heart's desire. This is what the son is saying. And he's not desiring something really for himself. He's desiring something concerning you and me that we would be with him where he is. Then the last verse I'll refer to, and then we'll go to our subject in the light of them, is from John chapter 3, where the Lord is speaking about the need to be Born again, born from above, born of the Spirit. And in verse 6 he says that unless we are born of water and of the Spirit, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the Lord here makes known that God in the Son is telling us God desires that you enter into the realm where he is. That is the kingdom of God. You are not in it now. You are now merely in the physical realm even in the world system. But there's another realm God wants you to enter simply by being born of the Spirit. So by this birth, the Lord's Prayer begins to be answered that we would be in God by being in the Son, that we would be 
where the Lord is in the Father, that we would be in our particular place that can be filled only by us, and that we would be in the kingdom of God. And the entrance is the new birth. Today, we had delightful fellowship with a number of young adults, and there were three infants there. And I was happy to just to bless them all. When I see a little one, I just want to bless them forever. One was only five weeks old. So these three little infants were born into a realm that right now they don't know exists. They hardly are aware of who and what they are. They just know to make noise when they're hungry. When they get a little older, they make noise for other reasons than hunger. But the parents know the moment you were born, you entered the realm of our family. And as the little ones grow, they will discover, oh, there are other people, and, and they're so big, but they really like me. And one is, I hope this is the first word, is mama. Surely, the sister deserves to hear the first word, being mama. Dada. Then who's this other person? Oh, that's your big brother who's two and a half. You see the point. Then as a child grows, she realizes I'm not only in the family, but there are other people that come in our house. They're coming and going. And my parents bring me to meetings. That's what they're called. And then they spend their whole personal human life in the physical realm of human existence. The general subject is living in the divine and mystical realm. And the topic itself, by design, is meant to sound mysterious. It is mysterious. So the first word is living, not visiting, living in a realm which is also a kingdom or a sphere that is divine. That means it involves God. It actually is God. God himself is a realm. But the word mystical is used. So let me define it as well as I can. I don't mean mystical in the sense of some kind of spiritual experience. But mystical means a reality 
which our five senses cannot verify. You can't see it. You can't hear it, feel it, or touch it. There's another realm that's not physical. So our physical senses cannot substantiate it. So as far as the physical mind is concerned, there's no such realm. That's the thinking of materialistic atheists. Their philosophy is there's only the material realm, period. So there cannot be anything spiritual. So there cannot be God. There cannot be angels. There cannot be negative spirits. There's only the physical realm, and that's all you are, is a bag of water filled with the electrons and other kinds of things. That's all. And I learned in a recent visit to Boston that in the last year, when several brilliant students at MIT were taught this, they killed themselves right there and then. But for those who are only physical, that's all there is. And they insist on this. But there is another realm that is divine. And it's mystical in two ways. The first way I mentioned is you cannot physically verify it. And the human mind cannot grasp it. But it is a reality. And this reality can be known by the regenerated human spirit. Where did <coughs> our regeneration take place? In our spirit. I'm trying now to help you realize something about your enlivened, regenerated spirit. When you are in your spirit, you are not only in an organ that you use to contact God who is spirit. When you are in your spirit, you are in another realm another kingdom, another reality that is actually, first, God himself. The kingdom of God as a realm of life is actually God himself as life. The plant kingdom, that's all the plants with their life. Animal kingdom, all the animals with their life. The kingdom of God as a realm of life is God with his life. 
And God's desire is that we enter here and live here starting now. Now, Christians do have the thought of two realms. But the thought is not according to God. So the the typical way of expressing the thought is, we are now on earth, and we have been saved by grace and born of God. So when we die, we will leave this earth and go to heaven. That's their other realm. But if our eyes are opened and our heart is enlightened in reading the Gospel of John, we will have to admit the kingdom of God is not heaven. And the Father's house is not heaven. It is God himself as a realm in which he wants us to live. So in order for this to be worked out, God created us as earthen vessels with a human spirit. And he fully intends that we live a normal human life as much as we can on the earth as human beings going through all the stages of human life. Just like the billions of unbelievers do. But he wants to come into our spirit. And make our spirit life. And become one with our spirit. And then train us to live in our spirit while we are living our human life on the earth. This is learning to live in two realms at once. So when we are in our mingled spirit and have been enlightened, right in the midst of any kind of human activity, we are in this divine and mystical realm, experiencing Christ as the heavenly ladder, connecting us to God, And the Lord is transmitting himself into us moment by moment. Now, most of our dear brothers and sisters throughout the earth, and I mean this when I say dear brothers and sisters, whoever they are, wherever they are, we love them and receive them as the Lord has received us. But their hope is to be blessed in this life and then be with the Lord in heaven. 
they're not under the clear teaching concerning the kingdom of God and the divine and mystical realm. So in their entire Christian life, they are deprived of those spiritual experiences that come only to those learning to live in this realm. And we will devote two messages to what these experiences are. But I just mentioned one. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says we have been reconciled to God. Now, much more, we are being saved in his life. Then he writes several chapters about what it means to be saved in Christ's life. So with certain believers, this actually happens. They can testify. They're actually experiencing being saved in the Lord's life. They can testify. They're in the process of being sanctified, saturated with God's nature. They're being renewed. Physically, I'm technically, legally in the category of elderly. In my inner man, there's no elderly. I'm much newer this afternoon than I was the last time I was here, and so are you. We're actually being transformed. But dear believers, whose hope is far away, in heaven I'll be blessed. They have no way to experience the blessing of Christ's heavenly ministry. Sometimes, to stir them up a little positively, I ask some. What is the Lord Jesus doing right now? What's he doing? Do you know what the New Testament reveals concerning what Christ is doing right now? Well, we can know this. And not only know this, but experience the fact he's praying for us right now. He is shepherding us right now. He is fighting for us right now. He is ministering to us right now. But so many dear, precious believers, by the millions, millions, when they meet the Son of Man at the judgment seat, they will only have the measure of life they received on the day they were regenerated. That's all. And their life as believers contributed nothing to the fulfillment of God's purpose. And they'll be able to tell the Lord honestly, we didn't know. We didn't know. This is what we were taught. And the Lord very well may say, in Luke 12, he indicates this. I know 
you didn't know. So I will care for you in this way. But those who taught you will be judged with greater strictness. That's James. So I am here, really, as a fellow learner, learning to live in two realms at the same time. So, because I'm a learner, sometimes in the divine and mystical realm, and sometimes I'm not. But we can learn, no matter what is happening, and I will illustrate, in the physical realm, deep within, in our mingled spirit, we're also in another realm, receiving the transmission, receiving the shepherding, receiving the grace moment by moment. So more than once, I spent about 70 minutes in an MRI chamber. Have you ever been in one? If you have claustrophobia, they have to do a special deal for you. You are there and your nose is about this close to the top. And you're warned, don't move, especially when you hear the noise. I'm just there like this technician has cared for hundreds and hundreds of others. I'm just there, lying there for 70 minutes because the doctor wants to find out whether I got something or not. So I was physically in an MRI chamber. But while I was lying there, I was in God. I was in another realm at the same time. I just, I didn't do anything, but I could exercise my spirit. That was allowed. And so you're in this kind of gurney. They roll you out. And this technician, a very dear, experienced younger woman, she was quite startled at my demeanor and my peace, even my happiness. And she said, oh, Mr. Kangas, you were so good. I should have said it. I should have said, no, not so good. So God. <laughs> or I'm in a hospital on a gurney with an IV and the interventional cardiologist is there putting in more stents. So there I am, ready to get stentified again, if there's such a term, which there isn't. But I could, for most of that time, be in another realm. Now, a little experience. I come to 
an intersection and I'm in the left turn lane where there's an arrow, red or green. And I count the number of cars ahead of me. There are eight and I am nine. I'm familiar with the intersection. I know that when the arrow turns green, if the reflexes of these other drivers are normal, they're alert, they react, they move, I'll get through. But alas, all things work together for good, including drivers with slow or no reflexes. And so when I get there, it's red, and I know I will be there for three minutes. To tell you the truth, it's easier for me to be an overcomer on a gurney in a hospital than to be a driver before a red arrow because his other drivers didn't react. Okay? That's what I mean by learning. But this is a reality. God is a reality. The triune God himself is just infinite. I've wondered why is the universe so big? I don't know. Here's my theory. God created it immeasurably vast as a testimony of his immeasurableness. Only God could create something this vast as a sign to you. I am infinite. Just infinite. So he himself in the sun is a realm. It is in this realm where God's will is carried out. And it is in this realm where God's purpose is accomplished. Are you all clear this afternoon, crystal clear, from the New Testament, why you were saved? The answer is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says, God saved us according to his own purpose. That's why we were saved. We were not saved to go to heaven when we pass away. We were saved to spend the rest of our lives carrying out God's purpose. And the meaning of our life as believers, which will be determined by the Son of Man when we meet him, is whether or not, during the course of our human life, since we were saved, that our life contribute to the fulfillment of God's purpose. You just imagine, this is admittedly imaginary, 
you are standing before the Lord Jesus, the Son of Man, at the judgment seat. And he looks at you. And he says to you, my goal was to build up the church as the body of Christ. And my desire was to have the bride as my counterpart. And your life contributed to both. Your life contributed to the building up of the church as the body of Christ. And your life contributed to the preparation of the bride. What I wanted you to do, you did. You just went through the course of your human life, through all the things human beings enjoy and suffer. We're not exceptions. But you saw something, and you gave yourself to me for what you saw, and you let me disciple you, and you did your part. Well done good and faithful servant. Enter the wedding feast. You're going to be a co-king. Enter my joy. Personally speaking, I live for this moment. And so living in the divine and mystical realm, this is our subject. I'm not going to say I'm going to try to make this practical. In this context, practical to me is too outward and too pragmatic. What's in my heart for these four messages is to try to make it real to you. That you can sense the reality of this. And that we can learn together but also learn personally, day by day, to go through our human life, many of the things routine, predictable, boring, tiresome, and things unexpected, blessings, heartbreaking losses, birth, death, marriage, children, all the things. Yet, in the midst of it, because we have a vision, which we'll now consider, and because we're learning how to just be in our spirit, we're learning to live in both realms at the same time. Yet, we're not a split personality. We're quite normal. So whether you're on a gurney or at a red arrow because of the reflexes of other drivers, the lesson is the same. I just want to add this. Time is measured out to us for this purpose. 
The church in Anaheim is well into a two-year project of reading through the entire Old Testament with the footnotes. So I began, like everyone else, with Genesis 1. And in one of the footnotes is a statement like this. It's, you know, it's a very basic thought. And that is time is for the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. Time. This doesn't mean that you got to be doing spiritual things all the time. How can we live our human life if we are not taking care of our human responsibility but trying to do spiritual stuff? But we can learn to treasure our time by not wasting it, by being merely in the physical realm as an ungodly atheist for a period of time. But just learning, if you're a student, if you're a young mother who hasn't had a good night's sleep for months, be encouraged. Eventually, you'll wake up in the morning and you'll be startled. What happened? There never was a cry. You rush to the crib. Yes. She's still breathing. Your good night's sleep has returned for the time being. So I hope the thought is somewhat clear. We are learning to live here, really, not out of obligation, like, oh no. This is what I'm supposed to do. Now I got this laid on me. I got to live in this divine and mystical realm. No, it's to participate in blessing. To use a common illustration, why do so many people want to get into the USA or Canada? Why do they want to just get here? Because they know that the realm of the US or Canada is much, much better place to be in than the realm they came from. And just to be here and to be able to live here is considered a blessing. This is how we should view the divine and mystical realm. But in order for that to happen, we need to have a view of it. And the view will cause us to appreciate it. Why was Saul of Tarsus trying to murder the believers? And that's not an exaggeration. Acts 9 says he was breathing out murder. He barged into home meetings and dragged both brothers and sisters out physically. Took them to the religious court. 
And time and time again, he voted for the death penalty. Not only Stephen was killed. Why did he do this? Because he had a view of who Jesus was and what Jesus claimed to be and what these people are who are calling on the Lord all the time. He had a view. And according to that view, he thought he was serving God by destroying the churches and killing the believers. Because his view was, this is evil. Then what caused him to have such a drastic change? It was the vision. The Lord didn't argue with him. The Lord didn't send a super apostle to reason with him. The Lord appeared as a light brighter than the sun and shined into him and spoke to him. He met the Lord. He saw a vision of the Lord. He called it later the heavenly vision. And it's the vision that changed everything. Everything. And of course, he deeply repented and praised the Lord for his mercy and considered himself the worst of sinners, which he probably was because of what he did. But it's the seeing that changed him. So the subject of the outline, which we'll now read through in less than half an hour, is the vision of the divine and mystical realm. And by vision, I don't mean an out-of-body experience now in the meeting. It is seeing a spectacular spiritual scene, little by little, from your spirit. So the divine and mystical realm is a reality. The Lord would now like, little by little, to lift the veil and shine into you so you see it. And most of us, we see little by little. So don't think, one time I told the trainees, don't think all the trainees except you are having Damascus Road experiences. They're seeing light brighter than the sun, a heavenly vision. They're falling to the ground. And only you are advancing little by little. I told them, no one is having those kind of experiences. You're not inferior to anybody. You're not second rate to anybody. The Lord's way, there may be exceptions, is little by little, day by day. So for the first three points, I quote directly from Brother Lee. One, never underestimate the value of seeing a proper view of a certain matter. The view changes us. It affects our entire being. This is not an exaggeration. 
It's from the life study of Exodus where you had the vision of the tabernacle and everything related to it. So we should not underestimate the value of seeing a view of the divine and mystical realm. And I would recommend you ask for it. Lord, show me this. I can't see for you. This is I can't love the Lord for you. I can't eat Jesus for you. But I can pray for you as I'm doing now. Lord, give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see this realm. And it changes us. It affects our entire being. This is my testimony to you. My entire being has been affected and changed by a particular aspect of this vision, and that is Christ wants to get married. He gave himself up for her. And I can tell him, in the midst of my weaknesses, in spite of my failures, I can tell him, I live for this. I breathe for the bride. My whole being is for this. It's just a response to seeing what's on the Lord's heart. And our inner being just responds. We don't make promises to things we cannot do. We go beyond that. We just say, Lord, here I am. Do whatever you want now with my life. I'm part of this. I'm living for this. I love you. I want you to have her. It affects our being. Two, all the saints in the Lord's recovery need a clear view concerning the physical realm and the mystical realm. The next couple statements might be shocking um, in a way that might be okay. If we do not have any vision to govern us, we can say truly, we believe in the Lord, we love the Lord, and to some extent, we really enjoy the church life. But what will happen for the vast amount of our time is we live merely in the physical realm, as unbelievers do. And we live a life of functional atheism. Functional atheism. That means, in actuality, you live as if there were no God. So, someone asked for some fellowship, 
The sister who arranged it said, Brother Ron, the matter she wants to share is it's unthinkable what happened. It's unthinkable. So I didn't try to guess. I just gave her the time and listened. And she told me that her sister had been murdered by her husband, who then killed himself. Her sister, at one time, was pursuing the Lord, was in the church life, but she was in a certain environment related to her advanced education, and she met a certain man that was there, and then the relationship from beginning to end, was no God. No God. I just want him. I just want her. No fellowship. I don't say this in judgment. Our sister is a real believer. The Lord will mature her and perfect her. She's with him now in paradise. But for that most crucial human decision, there was no God. And this is not an ordinary believer. This is a Christ lover once in the church life. So this term, I didn't invent it. Functional atheism. Whether or not doctrinally someone believes in God, in your living, in what you value, in your decisions, in so many things, it's just you. And since we're not in a neutral situation, especially the young, you're bombarded day and night through the media you live to access. You have more fellowship with your smartphone than with any person. You have more contact, more communication with your iPhone, with your iPad than any human being. Ten times more time spent on that than in the Word. I know. I can have the same weakness. So the Lord needs us to have a view concerning the physical realm and the mystical realm as two realities. We're not withdrawing from the physical realm. I've emphasized this. We have to work. We need to get married to have children, to take care of them, to take care of our elderly parents, to exercise, to take care of our health. But if it's only that, then we're the same as unbelievers. But if we have a view of the two realms, then we will begin to seek the Lord. How does this work out in my life? Don't promise to do anything. 
making promises you can't keep. Just say, Lord, work this out in me. I heard some speaking about a brother learning this. I'd like to learn to live in two realms at once and not just to live in the physical realm. Then point three, the need, you need to enter into a realm, a sphere, a kingdom, which is much higher than the realm you are in now. Brother Lee spoke these words to elders and co-workers in 1966. To us, I was there. And he was in one realm and he knew all of us were in another realm. He said, you need to be in a realm much higher than the realm in which you are in right now. And even after that training, some very experienced brothers were even critical. Where did Brother Lee get this idea, divine and mystical realm? Some just dismissed it as impractical. It's a profound reality. This higher realm is the mystical realm of Christ's heavenly ministry. So now we're connecting this realm with Christ's heavenly ministry in his ascension. So as we are gathered here, he's fully aware that we're, we're in this meeting. I believe he is the source of the subject. And he is interceding for us. He's praying for us. Every one of us here is on his heart right now. I mentioned earlier today a portion of a verse that's quite precious. First Peter 5, Peter says, It matters to him to God concerning you. All that matters to you matters to him. But all this is taking place in Christ's heavenly ministry. What the Lord wants to do and what he is doing when we allow him to is to transmit what he's doing on the throne into our spirit. It's regrettable that we do not have a video of the two life study trainings on Hebrews from 1975. They were in the Anaheim Convention Center. We didn't have the video. Brotherly regarded those trainings as the best, the best life study training. And I can still remember, 43 years ago, how energized he was, how living he was, how vibrant he was. And from time to time, he would talk about something called pum, 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 pum. He's just energized by pum, pum, pum. 
And I'm, on, I'm wondering, what is pum, pum, pum? But I saw our brother. Then years, years later, I began to understand. He was receiving, moment by moment, the transmission from the heavenly Christ. What he was speaking was the expression of that transmission. Then even after a longer period of time, I began to learn what pum, pum, pum is. So now I can tell you, pum, 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 what does that mean? It means pum, pum, pum. <laughs> it means being energized in your spirit by the heavenly ministry of Christ. And because you are in your spirit, you are in the realm to receive that transmission. And at least as a learner, to some extent, that's why I'm not bothered. Really, when it comes down to it, I'm not bothered about getting older. I hate these non-elicited electronic messages, how to prevent aging. How, this is anti-aging stuff. I don't want that. I don't need that. I'm not getting older. I'm getting newer. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more energized. Amen. Not physically, but in here. It's a reality. And then we will see in following messages, what happens to us just by being here? Because everything in this realm is yours. It's like you're in a country where the best health care at every level is free instantly. Education is provided for. Your living, your food, everything. That's all you have to do is live there. You don't have to ask. You don't have to plead. The question is, are you a resident? Yes. Okay, it's all yours. This is God's thought. It's all yours just by being here. That's why it's such a wonderful thought. Okay. Four. The triune God himself is a divine and mystical realm. This is God in the Godhead. So he's more vast than the universe. Okay? Just try to think for a few seconds on the vastness of the universe. That's a kind of poor symbol of the vastness of God who's a realm. And he wants you to live here in him. The three of the triune God are self-existing ever-existing, co-existing, and co-inhering. That means they live in one another. And as such, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are a divine and mystical realm. Okay, this is the Godhead. Okay. We cannot enter the Godhead itself. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, God dwells in unapproachable light. 
So how can we approach what's unapproachable? So God in Christ has made himself enterable. He has made himself a realm in which we may live. This is the next point. The divine and mystical realm into which we may enter is the divine and mystical realm of the consummated spirit and the pneumatic Christ. So it's still the triune God, but it's the triune God in his economy. So the Son of God became the Son of Man. He brought the triune God into humanity. He passed through death and resurrection to become the all-inclusive spirit, which equals the pneumatic Christ. And by being in this spirit, that's our realm. We are not in the realm of the Godhead. We are in the realm of the processed and consummated triune God, who is the spirit And and the Lord has installed himself as this spirit in our spirit and mingled this spirit with our spirit so that when we are in our spirit, we are in this spirit. And when we are in this spirit, we are in this realm. And everything that's in the all-inclusive spirit is for us to experience and enjoy. So the point goes on to say a realm that has a number of, quote, complications. The complications are the processes, all of which are blessings for us to experience and enjoy. So do I need grace? Yes, I need grace. Don't don't be alarmed. Okay, just don't be alarmed. Uh, Temporarily, my ears are clogged. I'm going to have to rinse out my sinuses somehow so I can hear a normal conversation. I get a big and rapid-growing cataract in my left eye, and I had a certain kind of razor surgery in my right eye. So I can't get new lenses until all of this is taken care of. And so I don't like sounding funny to myself. And I don't like having to squint when I read. And so I asked the Lord for what I needed. Lord, I need grace. I need grace. I need grace in a particular way. I need grace in a practical way. And I sure got it, because grace is here. Everything is here, just to see it. Yes, you can pray, but actually, before you finish your prayer, you got it. Lord, I need light. Light light is before you get past L. I need this. I need that. The Lord knew it before you asked, as soon as you opened. This is a reality. 
This enables us, this is the testimony of the body, to pass through anything and everything that may happen to us. The resurrection life, the ascension life, the reigning life, the all-sufficient grace, the power of resurrection. What can stand against it? In our physical frame, in our soul, okay, we're suffering. But deeper than that, we're being supplied. So I, concerning the hearing, a week ago I asked the Lord to do something about it. He didn't do but I asked. So the next morning, temporarily, I wasn't happy. But then, now a few days later, I had to kind of reverse myself and say, Lord, you're taking care of it your way. My prayer was according to my way. But you have your way to take care of everything. So I'm still learning. Your ways are higher. Your ways are better. I probably will still keep offering some prayers like Paul did honestly with the thorn. He wasn't a hero. He didn't say, enemy, is that all you got? This puny thorn. I'm a tough guy. He asked the Lord to take it away. Some of us are too, quote, spiritual to pray that sincerely. Lord, take the thorn away. No answer. Lord, I'm praying again. Take it away. It's unbearable. No answer. So you keep at it. Lord, I really mean it. I can't go on another day with this. Take it away. Then the answer comes. My grace is sufficient for you. Then you find out the Lord's way is not to remove the thorn, but in his heavenly ministry to supply grace moment by moment. That's his way. Then the prayer stops and the prayer changes. And so if you're bothered by something, don't try to be more spiritual than you are this afternoon. Just be honest with the Lord. And he will be faithful to himself. And that is, he does his will in his way and at his time. And when we look back upon it, we have to admit, it was the best. Okay, then point C. The compound spirit is the divine and mystical realm. And we should learn to live in this realm. Most of us are familiar with what we will read through in the next section about the oil in Exodus that is mixed with certain elements to become ointment. And that ointment is a type of what we call the compound spirit, the all-inclusive spirit. 
So this compound spirit, this all-inclusive spirit, is the realm we're talking about. When you spend an amount of time in your spirit, under this vision increasing, you will begin to know I'm not only in an organ, I'm in a realm. And I'm not here alone. I am here with the whole body of Christ from all the ages. And whatever I need is here. My responsibility, according to John 15, is to abide. So changing the illustration, the vine is the realm. Everything the branch needs is in the vine. The one requirement for the branch is stay attached to the vine. And in reality, the vine is the consummated spirit. And by being in the mingled spirit, that's when we abide in the vine. Now, all that is in the vine flows to us little by little as we need it. We don't have to do anything. We simply stay here. That's why again and again and again, I do what I do right now, is to refer to Brother Lee's last word, his last written word in a letter to a relative. When he said, I have maintained my joy. How could he do that? When he was physically suffering all the time. He didn't have the strength to get out of his bed to go to the cafeteria. And the guards denied his roommate's request that he bring the food back to Brother Nee. So we're not here to serve the prisoners. Let him come and get it. So his cellmate, who eventually became a brother, ate only half of his portion and brought the rest of his food to Brother Nee. When his wife died, he pleaded virtually to just have a, a few days release to attend to her funeral. They wouldn't do it. He's in this kind of situation for 20 years. What is there to enjoy physically, psychologically? No Bible, no hymnal, no fellowship, no meetings. How could he say I kept my joy. It's because his roots went deep into this other realm. That's where he lived. We have no way of knowing what conversations took in the heavenlies. But we know from Job there can be such. Maybe the Lord would say to the adversary, Satan, look at that man. 
in Anhui province. Watchman Nee, what do you see? I'll tell you what I see. I see myself living again. I see a man living in me. I see a man living in joy deep within. Well, we're never going to, probably never going to be in prison like that, deprived like that. Brother Nee went through that for us as part of his ministry for us so that we can learn that it's more than possible to live in the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit by learning to live in our mingled spirit in the midst of any and every kind of human situation. Then now I just read to you what's in the compound spirit to give us some impression of what's here in the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we have whatever we need. The reference is to Philippians 1.19. Paul said, I know this will turn out to my salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So Brother Nee knew this verse. Brother Lee knew this verse. They knew the bountiful supply would come to Brother Nee as long as some prayed. As long as some prayed, the bountiful supply would go to him. And surely, Brother Nee, Sister Lee, faithful saints in Taiwan and in the mainland, they prayed consistently until they got the word. In 1972, he went to the Lord. And so it's not just a matter of something you have to do. You will be prayed for. Not only by the heavenly Christ. You will be prayed for by those who are learning to live in the divine and mystical realm. And their prayers will not be judgments of you. They will not be criticisms of you. There'll be loving prayers. You just mentioned the name. Why does a certain name just come to you? You're doing dishes. It just comes to you. And you pray, Lord, supply this one. Supply this one right now. Then months later, you learn something of that one situation. This is not strange to you. You've already tasted it. Imagine what kind of church life we just lived here. And so it, when I'm spending the three minutes at the Red Arrow, instead of being disgruntled at the slow reflexes of the other drivers, I'm naming saints to the Lord. I'm one spirit with the Lord. So there's three minutes of intercession that release the bountiful supply of the spirit to saints. Then the life turns green, they keep on driving, and for a while at least you keep on praying. 
So A, we have God signified by the olive oil. We have the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit signified by the three units of measure of the four spices. We have the humanity of Jesus signified by the four spices in the plant life, of the plant life. We have the mingling of divinity with humanity typified by the blending of the olive oil with the four spices. We have the precious death of Christ signified by the flowing myrrh. We have the sweetness and effectiveness of Christ's death signified by the sweet cinnamon. We have the precious resurrection of Christ signified by the sweet calamus. We have the repelling power of Christ's resurrection signified by the cassia. Just consider how many of these you need on any given day. Those of you who are students, those of you working in a worldly environment, that, that's the kind of situation it is. And yet, that's part of your daily living. But you're learning to be in another realm at the same time. And here, some people at work are talking in a repulsive way. And you experience the kasha, something in your spirit just repulses the negative element. Or you're in a situation, you just need the humanity of Jesus. You need his forbearance. You need his wisdom. You need to know what to say. What to say in this situation. The Lord wants to be your words. All of this is a reality. And whatever time is measured out to me, I'd like to keep on learning so that eventually I can say, most of the time now is in the two realms. Right now I can say is, a lot of time is in both, but sorry, sometimes is only in one, but I have a helper who helps me day by day get into the mystical realm. I have the body with their prayers. So I'm not discouraged. And I don't want you to be discouraged. But I have to be faithful in a conference like this to release what the Lord puts within me. I'm not here to speak what you want to hear. I'm here to speak what the Lord requires me to say. Amen. And I believe what the Lord requires me to say is exactly what we all need to hear Amen. about learning to live in the divine and mystical realm.